Welcome to Eat, Capture, Share, the podcast for food bloggers, food lovers, and everyone in between. My name is Kimberly. I'm your host. Episode 36. Welcome back if you've listened before and welcome if this is your first time. My name is Kimberly Espina. I'm the food photographer and food blogger behind The Little Plantation podcaster here at Eat, Capture, Share and excited as always to bring you the podcast and especially this episode because it's super duper lovely. Before I'm going to tell you a little bit more about today's guest and go into a lot of details to what it's about. So the episode is about living life as a creative, as a food photographer, how to make it work and so much more. Of course, I wanted to remind you that all throughout December, I'm sharing tiny little bits of information about my free Instagram food photography challenge exclusively and only to mailing list subscribers. So if you're not on the mailing list yet, get your butt on there. I'll link to it in the show notes. If you are already on the mailing list, do check your inbox, check your spam box just in case you don't see it, because little bits and pieces about the winter 2020 challenge, which is just around the corner, will be dropped in your inbox throughout December. And it's stuff you want to know about. The other thing that is only available to mailing list subscribers is the opportunity to pre-register for my online food photography, food styling, and visual storytelling e-course. So they get access to the early bird they get access to all the information. Listen, if you're not sure if that course is for you, if you want to have all the details, sign up to the mailing list, check out the info, and just take it from there. You can also set up a discovery call just to check that I am the right teacher for you and that the course does actually offer what you need. I don't want to take on anyone who needs something that I cannot provide because it means I've got an unhappy customer. And also it means I'm robbing you of the opportunity to study with somebody else who may be a better fit. So if you'd like further details, if you want to know more, email me at Kimberly at the little or of course, join the mailing list. And also if you're already on there, check your inbox all throughout December. All the marketing stuff out of the way, we can now really dig deep into today's podcast episode. I am speaking to Crystal Lowe, who's a food photographer, food stylist, and cook down under in New Zealand. And for the very first time in the eCapture Share podcast history, I did this interview at 7.30 a.m. in the morning. So normally it's either in the evening, daytimes. I have never, ever done a podcast episode in the morning. But of course, Crystal is 13 hours ahead of me in a completely different time zone, different part of the world. And as my husband was getting my son ready, you can hear some bits and pieces of that in the background. Crystal was actually putting her kids to bed. So it was really quite interesting. I met Crystal online via Instagram, and it really made me think about 
why Instagram is so powerful. It's powerful because it allows us to get together with people who feel the way we feel, who are passionate about food in the same way that we are, who have that same creative spark that we have. And Crystal is one of those people. So I've never met Crystal in real life. I only know her through Instagram. I know her through her work and I already love her just through that. So imagine how powerful her images are. Crystal has been a regular participant of my Eat, Capture, Share Instagram food photography challenge. She's won numerous challenges. She has also won the creative of the season and she's won food photography awards in New Zealand. She runs workshops. I mean, she's amazing. So to be able to talk to her and really unpick her creative process, her relationship to the land that she was brought up in, to the food she's surrounded by, and just chit chat about food photography and making it your profession and what it entails and what it really looks like was a joy. I wish I could have spoken to Crystal for longer, but I had to take my son to school. So we cut it short. I still feel there's a lot there for you to enjoy. And on that note, I'm going to hand you over to Crystal. Crystal, welcome to the Capture Share podcast. Honestly, 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 I am so happy to have you here. I feel that if we lived not even the same time on the same continent, we would be friends. That's how I feel. I, think, I know so. <laughs> well, Crystal, I feel I know you. There are lots of people to me who may not know you. So please, if you can introduce yourself, that'd be amazing. Sure. Well, I'm Crystal Lowe and I'm a food photographer, food stylist and a cook based here down under in New Zealand, as you might be able to tell from my accent. <laughs> I'll try to speak slowly because I know my accent can sometimes be a bit tricky and I tend to talk a bit fast. I also teach workshops around New Zealand, food styling and photography workshops. I call them food stories workshops. Oh, I love that. And officially, I'm actually an interior architect. I've run a wide range of businesses over the past 20 years. Yeah, I sort of went from being an interior architect to an entrepreneur always in the creative sphere mm -hmm. and I've ended up here doing what I feel is my calling doing what I love I just feel like it just fits me like a glove this mm -hmm. is what I'm meant to be doing as I said I live in New Zealand in a very small rural town uh, we don't even have traffic lights and I live with my three children who are 12 9 and 6 my husband and two cats can I ask, because for me, New Zealand, Australia, I have never been like, they're just places I know from television and movies, so to speak, you know, I have no sure. real proper concept of what it's like to live there, to cook there, to be there. So I'm really interested to know how living down under has, and your heritage as well, how that has influenced your relationship to food and also to yeah. the work in general that you do. I love that question. Well, living in New Zealand, where I live here, we are surrounded by farmland and forest and the beach is not too far away. We sort of have the land, the sea, the mountain, all within mm. very quick driving distance. And we have a lot of fresh produce and a lot of growers. And our friend owns a cherry orchard. Um, another friend owns an apricot orchard. 
you know, we know the avocado growers and there is like an abundance of produce here in New Zealand. As far as my heritage goes, I'm Māori, who are the native people of New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And Māori people have a very, very strong connection with the land mm-hmm. and everything that comes from it. It's quite intrinsic. It's part of our genealogy. And so, like when you're introducing yourself to somebody in a Māori context, you don't just say your name and where you're from. You start off by saying what our mountain is, what our river is, what our uh, canoe is, our tribe, our marae, which is the place where we belong, and then your name. Mm-hmm. And that, that links us back to the land in a really strong way. And as such, you identify with a certain part of, of the land. And we're also seen as being guardians of the land. So to preserve, mm-hmm. to protect it. And around that, there are protocols around harvesting food. It's all for the, the life cycle of the, of the plant or, or whatever you're harvesting. So it's, very, it's a very intrinsic part of the, like the Māori worldview, I mm-hmm. guess you could put it. Mm-hmm. And there, therefore it sort of translates into um, your everyday life, really. There's this other one really important concept is called modi, which is life essence. And basically it's acknowledging that everything on this earth has a life essence. And it's our job to take care of that life essence and realizing that when you're when you're taking something from the land, you you take what you need, you use what you take and you return to the land what needs to go back to the land. The other thing is the food, not just land, but food is really, really important to Māori people as well. And the Māori people were very hospitable, and it's not just because they're being polite. Like when you go to someone's house, you always, always, always have a cup of tea and a meal or a biscuit, always. There's just no two ways about it uh when you get welcomed on to the marae you always have after the official welcome you'll always have something to eat and drink and cooking did like where did that fit in because it's it sounds like it would be a big part of your heritage as well the way you grew up but i'd yes. love to know a little bit more about your relationship to the whole cooking process and do you cook regularly how do you how does it all work Yes, so um, my biggest influences there are my parents and my grandparents, but mostly my grandparents. Mm. Um, my grandparents cook very traditionally and they just pour out. They are just so hospitable. They, uh, mm. My nana, when she was alive, she would, every Friday, she would make sandwiches and cakes and pastries mm. and what, whatever she felt like doing, and she would just deliver them mm-hmm. to whoever needed them, always to me <laughs> and to my sister and my, my brother and mum and that. My granddad, he, he has some very traditional methods of cooking, which I love. I've, I've always loved learning from him. So the traditional way of uh, cooking a hangi in the ground, which is where we heat the rocks it's a very it's a labor intensive process but basically you heat the rocks and you put your food 
on it after a couple of hours. You cover it all, all over with cabbage leaves, sacking and, and dirt and it cooks mm-hmm. under the ground for four to five hours. Just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's an art that yeah. he's handed down to sons and then to also my husband and then who's handed it down to our sons. Mm-hmm. Just things like that, the way that he cooks his fermented, he doesn't cook it, he makes his fermented foods. Rotten corn is his favourite. It's like a delicacy for him. And I'm just like, ah. <laughs> I, I haven't got my head around that yet. <laughs> it doesn't sound appetising, but you know, it probably is. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but he loves it. Yeah, and I've, I've always just loved seeing both of them preparing food. And my nana, when she was alive, she taught me how to prepare the food in the traditional way and yeah I've just I've just had a love for preparing food for others yeah which came I believe from them amazing now I'd love to know because nowadays I feel and and I don't know if you know Gary Vee but he talks about this a lot that this idea of being an entrepreneur and he doesn't say this, but this concept now of creative entrepreneur, that term, when you and I were growing up, that didn't really exist as, as a proper profession. You know, nowadays, no. a lot of people would call themselves that, but you have been a creative entrepreneur really for almost two decades, well before it was trendy and before we knew what it was. I want <laughs> to know what sparked your creative journey why didn't you go and well, work in a law firm or, you know, do all the traditional type of jobs that were out there? What do you think it is about this job? And like, how did you journey into creative entrepreneurship? Well, I, I did try all that. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I've been a creative entrepreneur for three decades now when you think about it. Yeah. Because when I was about 10 years old, I started up a little craft shop and it was in my grandparents' spare room. (laughs) And I would make uh, dried flower wreaths and Mm. I was just very crafty. Yeah. And I would sell my, my wares to family and friends and, you know, make a little bit of pocket money. And I was always down at the craft Mm. shop every Saturday morning with my pocket money and, buying more dried flowers and uhu glue and things mm. like that. Uh, when I got to high school, like I've always been a very creative person, but when I got to high school and my parents are sort of persuading me to become a lawyer or a doctor or, you know, pushing me in that kind of direction, I had to forfeit all the creative papers at high school. So art, graphic design, photography, I couldn't do them because I had to do, they clashed with chemistry, biology and physics. And so I was going through the whole of high school doing these sciences, pretty much failing at them because it just wasn't me. I just, it just didn't light my fire. Mm -hmm. Um, I just passed. So those papers I just passed, I was able to get university entrance. But even then I was like, I don't want to be a doctor. Mm. Um, um, that's not my thing. It wasn't till the end of the very end of high school that I found out about the School of Architecture and Design here in New Zealand. I applied for that, had to submit a portfolio, so submitted it, got in. And so I chose to uh, study interior architecture. But during that time, 
my creativity got the better of me. <laughs> and I was playing around with a flax bush one day and we use it for weaving. Anyway, mm -hmm. I created something completely new and different, which had never been done before. I, I came up with a completely new process quite by accident. Uh, long story short, I got it patented. Wow. I, and I started um, just getting it out there for the world to see. And I got um, this exposure when I won an award. I won an award for it, the Creative New Zealand Award for this discovery of mine. And on the awards night, I was actually uh, featured on the, the TV One News. It was a really, really big deal. Mm -hmm. Because of that, uh, it just exposed me to a whole lot more. And I was basically... I say forced into business because people were contacting me left, right and centre to, to um, they wanted to buy this product or mm -hmm. they wanted to export it. And yeah, I started doing that. Mm -hmm. And I was basically thrown in the deep end, had no idea what I was doing, but all I knew was that I, I was good at it. And um, it got my creative juices really flowing. Mm -hmm. Managed to finish my degree. Um, after that, I was still running my, my business and tried to work in an architectural firm, found it incredibly boring. Yeah. Then started having children, and that's when it got a bit crazy uh, because I had this lo these lovely visions of, oh, when I have a child, I'll just, you know, put the child on my backpack. and on my Oh, my God. Pack. That's what um, I thought. I thought I could actually just live my life with yeah. with my son in the sling. Like I would do everything the same. The only difference would be he'd be in the sling. Didn't work out that way. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, the ideal is there, but yeah, it just didn't quite work out that way. Mm -hmm. And so after a, a number of years, I can't even remember now, um, after I had my second child, it was quite difficult. He was two months premature and it was quite stressful and I was trying to run this business. And um, about a year after that, I was like, no, I can't do this anymore. So I sold that. But no, I'm not going to be this entrepreneur anymore. <laughs> I'm going to just be a mother. And I sold the business to another creative person who worked with Flax as well. Somehow I fell into another business. I started selling online, started selling uh, vintage and vintage-inspired kitchenware. Wow. And uh, for both businesses, I would photograph my product. I taught myself all about composition and light. Yeah. I would photograph my product also in situ. I wanted to pretend like I was working for a magazine or something. Yeah. And I wanted to do these lifestyle images. And so that's basically where I taught myself photography. Because my product was ever-changing, I couldn't just get a photographer to come in every week. Yeah. I just had to do that all myself. So that's where I started doing the photography. Mm -hmm. But all this time, even back in university, this, this love and appreciation for food and, and gathering and presenting food was still there. Mm -hmm. And even at university my final year thesis was all about food. I know, it was an interior architecture degree. 
but I made it about food. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all about the Māori rituals around food. That's um, but everything's always come back to food. Mm. And I sold the next business. I wanted to open up a food truck. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a cake maker. <laughs> I wanted to open a cafe. Like I had it all planned out. So I was just sort of toying around with all these things mm. until there was one Saturday morning I came across two images on Facebook. This is before I even knew about Instagram. Mm-hmm. And one of them was uh, a picture of some waffles, a beautiful picture of some waffles, I might add. Um, it was just serene <laughs> with um, a stack of waffles, a Chemex coffee maker with a freshly brewed coffee and someone drizzling maple syrup on over it. And I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just, I just love it. The other image was a behind-the-scenes shot of a food magazine. Mm-hmm. And it was, there was a stylist there, a photographer there, a couple of other people around. It was literally in someone's dining room. <laughs> there were some planks of wood on the floor. It was right by their bifold doors. So all this natural light was coming in. There was a scene set on the planks of wood and I was like oh my gosh (laughs) is that how you do it I I do that already and Mm -hmm. I just didn't think I was legit you know I thought I was just sort of you know fumbling around faking it and I was like well no I can do that and I want to do that and that was sort of like my my eureka moment I guess Mm -hmm. and I just started doing it yeah that's how that all came about that's amazing. Now, I know, I don't know if you get this, but a lot of people are like, oh my God, you have the dream job is the best thing ever. And in a lot of ways, it is running your own show <laughs> and working in a creative field. I love it. But are there also elements to doing what you do that you think people don't realize that's involved? So that's question number one. Like, are there elements that you know, make it maybe not so ideal or make it tough. And Mm. what do you think it takes to really make it as a food photographer? Do you think it is just skill and talent at doing, you know, taking the images, et cetera, or is there more involved in in surviving in this industry? I would say that, well, no two days are the same. Mm. Um, You can have one day, where you're uh, just prop sourcing. Actually, you can have like five days where you're prop sourcing (laughs) because you can't find the right prop. Mm -hmm. And then just a couple of days of of shooting and you'll have days of editing and you'll have days of emailing and, you know, just all the things that Mm -hmm. are involved in in running any regular business as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. But I think... um, Yes, you do have to have talent. And I do think that you do need to develop like a signature style. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that will evolve. But I also think that you need to be well planned. You need to be someone that can plan really well. Yeah. And be adaptable and flexible. Um, because there are just so many steps involved in a single shoot. Yeah. And at any one time, any of those steps can just go, can just 
disappear even yeah. or, or go off in another direction or something will there'll be a spanner thrown in the works it'll just be you know something will come up so you need to be adaptable and flexible mm-hmm. in that respect as well as knowing how to work to the conditions so I'm a completely natural light photographer. Yeah, me too. And I I work a lot of the time here at home, but in different parts of my house mm-hmm. on the light it, on that particular day. And sometimes I shoot out in a restaurant or a cafe. Sometimes I'll shoot on location somewhere else. You just know have to know how to work with light. Yeah. That's being able to see with your eyes as well as knowing how to work with the light in camera and also with your tools, your manipulating tools yeah. to um, manipulate the light. I think light is super important. Yeah, like I often think rather than calling myself a photographer, I really like to call myself a light chaser because I oh, think I like that. Yeah, because I think that's really, and I have to say light and shadow actually, because it's off, it's really mm. about balance and how you play yes. with them too, right? But yes. I think light is is, and you know, as you were talking actually at the very beginning when you were speaking about your Maori culture and how you're connected to the land and how everything you believe has like a a living essence. Yes. So interesting because I, you know, when I teach, I often talk about light being a living thing because, you know, it comes from the sun. Mm. The sun is a living thing. And so That's light right. is a living thing. And yes. I really want my students to see that, to see that it's alive and how you, how you play with it. And as you said, manipulate it. You know, I think it's, it's really key. Another thing I wanted to say, if you don't mind, just quickly, because sure. it's in my head. Yeah. One time I did an Instagram story about, you know, I, I had to prop style for shoots. So I was a prop stylist, not the photographer. And I took people on Instagram on the journey with me. So I was like, this is what I have to do. This is what I do. And actually the first two days really consists of creating a list of all the props that you need. And then you have a budget and you have to play to that budget. And so really the first two days is just sitting in front of a computer. And I remember people going, oh, I didn't realize, <laughs> you know, this is like <laughs> a little bit boring. Mm, didn't re- yeah. Yeah. You need to be super, you cannot go over budget. You need to, you cannot go to the prop house and then you forgot 10 props. You can't do that. You have to be. That's right. Super. And I think people, often think it's just like, oh, you show up and you float into the space and you go, <laughs> and, we you know, which we do as well. But that's just like one part yeah. of the whole yeah. thing. And the other thing is not just with the props, but food. Yeah. Food is perishable. It's a yeah. major factor. And so as an example, um, I had a shoot organized uh, a little while ago. I had, I had to get the food sent to me. Yeah. It was perish, perishable product. Had to get the food sent to me. And in the meantime, I prepared. I planned my days. I planned the props. I also had to purchase other food, which was also perishable. Yeah. Was, uh, a lot of fruit and vegetables. You know, they wilt within a day, you know. Yep. And on the day, the product didn't turn up. Oh and this just happened to me last week. This just <laughs> happened to me last week. And it didn't turn up the following day either. And I had to, yeah, we had to can the shoot because, yeah. you know, these things do happen. Yeah. But um, I couldn't, couldn't keep the food. 
Yeah. And the product went off in transit. And yeah, it's one of these things that, that can happen. But yeah, when you're working with food, the perishable thing is a yeah, it's a major factor. Major factor, definitely, <laughs> yes. definitely. I also think, I don't know if you would agree, but I'm just really starting to realize that is that you you also really need a thick skin. So yeah, you need to be talented and creative and this and yeah. that. But there's so many other elements. Actually, once um, somebody really lovely who came, her name's Anna. I don't know if she's listening, but she's like, you know, I'd love to be a food photographer, but at the same time, all the rejections you get, I don't know if I could cope with that. And I was like, yeah. Oh, it's hard. hard. Yeah. Oh. It is part of it. Definitely. Oh, yeah. My biggest fear is maybe not so much rejection, but criticism. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it just makes me want to faint almost because, you know, you've poured your heart and your soul yeah. into your work and you've literally, I feel like I, I bring out the life essence and these, the food that I shoot. That's my intention. And, you know, it's your everything. Yeah. And so when you get to criticism, you just crumble. Well, I know I do. <laughs> and so you do need to have thick skin and sometimes yeah. you do have to sort of just toughen up. I listened to um, one of you. I've listened to all your podcasts, actually. Oh, thank you. But <laughs> I listened to one recently. I forget who it was and what, what the thing was called. But, you know, that sort of mantra that she said, the four points about I'm glad you're here. Yeah. I'm glad I'm here. Oh, I so know powerful. what I know. And yeah. I care about you. Yeah, that's Nikki oh. Roush. I'll link to it in the show notes. Oh, Wasn't that amazing? Yes. Yeah. 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 I do that now. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's really good. Otherwise, you know, when you're when you're dealing with a tricky situation yeah. and hesitating to pick up the phone or to reply to that email, it's you've got to get really you've got to ground yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And um center yourself and also also believe in yourself mm-hmm. and also be kind to the client. <laughs> yeah. This is it, right? Like it's I always go back to the thing of the customer's always right. <laughs> the customer's always yeah. right, even yeah. when they're not. <laughs> but to always come back to actually, you know, let's let's try and work this out. It's yeah, yes. I've also had a couple of I've had a couple of interesting ones these last couple of weeks. So yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Can I yes. ask you one more thing, Crystal? Because you yes. touched again on something that I'd love to dig deeper into because I know people listening in will be like, oh, want to elaborate sure. on that. You said something about developing a signature look and that that comes with time. Do you have any thoughts, any tips, any ideas as to how one develops a signature look? Well, a signature really is a signature right so mm-hmm. like I couldn't I couldn't forge your signature if I tried everyone's <laughs> got their own signature everyone's got their own handwriting that you know I can't write like my husband even and the same goes for your signature style that's just something that I believe evolves the more that you the more that you put out the more that you practice yes. the, more that you, the more that you do it yeah um, You'll find yourself leaning towards one particular way of doing things. I have seen, um, I get inspired by lots of imagery. I've seen lots of imagery on Instagram, on Pinterest, and I'm like, oh, I'd love to create a scene like that. 
and sometimes I've tried to and I just can't. Mm-hmm. I just Same. I just don't have a the particular neck that mm-hmm. that person has. Or um, or I don't know if this happens to you or I do and I'm like this is just wrong. This is just wrong. <laughs> this is yes. just- that happened to me last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not putting this photo up. It's just, yeah. it's wrong. You're right. Yeah. It just didn't align with my style. It didn't mm-hmm. work for me. I think like style is something that does truly evolve mm-hmm. as you just keep practicing, practice, yeah. practice, practice. It will yeah. just come out. Crystal, it's I'm actually right now in the thick of writing this chapter in my book. So, you know, it's all kind of in my mind and I'm, I'm trying to put it into words here in a semi-articulate way, you know, here on the podcast. But I think the more you produce, as you said, the more easily you find your style, but also, and I think that's really important and that's something you do, which I love you for that, is you play with so many different things so from a you know if you look from a distance you'll look at your instagram gallery and be like oh that's it's not perfectly curated and then Mm. if you dig deeper actually it's you're really exploring your signature look within a really broad realm of what food photography is you know what i mean like i think think so yeah like i think you you explore you explore so much more than I think many of us do because we're, I don't know if it's we're afraid or we want to perfectly create or, and through that exploration, there's clarity, there's that style, that, that there's that definition. Even if you're photographing yeah. your children eating marshmallows, I know it's you. Even if you're doing a macro <laughs> shot of grapes, I know it's you. <laughs> so, you know, I just think that comes with real exploration beyond a set thing where you feel safe and secure does that make sense yeah yeah totally and I I know I do explore in that kind of way even when it comes to my client shoots Mm. so I will literally work up a sweat I'm just wanting to do all the things but not for the sake of doing all the things but I'm just wanting to capture this and capture mm-hmm. that and maybe if I just went over like this and did this and maybe if I stood back and did that I'm just wanting to create like mm-hmm. a whole suite of imagery if you like mm-hmm. in that very explorative way and that's also how I I provide value for my clients as well mm-hmm. like they get mm-hmm. um you know I charge an hourly rate and plethora of images it's just mm-hmm. not not every single image but because I do go a bit overboard when I'm shooting, <laughs> I um, yeah, I like to be able to do that, mm. and it's good for myself as well. Yeah, yeah. You see, I don't do that with client shoots. I don't. They are really yeah. raining my creativity, and I stick really closely to the mood board because you know I really want to deliver what they have in their mind. Yeah. So, that's always my kind of thing. Like I really, they gave me a brief and I try and even if it's not how I would shoot it, I still, I try, you know, I'm, I'm not as playful as you in that, in that scenario. <laughs> because I'm just afraid. I'm like, no, I just want them to be happy. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and there have been times where I'll, I've been like that as well, especially if there's mm-hmm. a, 
um, a time factor, but um, most of, I'll always deliver what they want from the brief. And a um, little extra. And then a little cherry mm. on top, I guess yeah, you could say. I love it. Yeah. Amazing. Crystal, I'd love to know where you find inspiration, how you ensure that you don't get bored and yeah, where you get the, your sources of inspiration to continue to play with your food. You know what? Everything inspires me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it's a bit of an overload of inspiration and I like need to look at nothing for a while because I just get inspired by this and I'm inspired mm-hmm. by that. <gasps> look at that. <gasps> look at that. <laughs> you know, um, especially when I'm looking through uh, magazines, food magazines. I just love pouring through food magazines. Um, Pinterest, if I'm preparing for a a client shoot and I'm wanting to put together a mood board, I tend not to just cruise around on Pinterest just for the sake of it. I'm only there when I'm looking specifically for something. Instagram, I save a lot. I'll, I'll see an image, I'll save it, and I'll save it in a specific folder for future reference and so then when when I've got a, a client who say for example says oh we're an avocado company and we'd like you to do this that and the other then I'll go to my avocado folder or my green folder and um, garner inspiration from there outside of all the visual overload I just love being out in nature being with my family we often go hiking I just love it. And so I also love taking along my camera or my iPhone and um, capturing something different for a change. Yeah, seeing the world from a different angle and switching off all that visual overload, I guess you could say. Sometimes it's good to do that. Reset, recharge, if you like. Totally, totally. I think especially in nature. Yeah, especially in nature. It can teach us so much. Like I, I often think about colors, you know, the changing of the seasons and, you know, leaves yeah. falling and the colors and the color combination, how nature is actually totally perfect and how it combines colors yes. always. You know, you can take yeah. so, much away, so much away. Now, That's Crystal, right. I really met you online, so to speak, through the Instagram food photography challenge that I host. And yes. I would love to know, what propelled you to participate? There's nothing I can teach you. You know how to work your ISO. Oh, yes, there is. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, why? Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people do it because they want the Instagram tips into their inbox. Or what propelled you to participate? And what has oh. participating meant for you? What has it done? Well, well, first of all, you know, how you mentioned um, there's nothing you could teach me. I say yes, there is. <laughs> we are we are always we are always learning. Um, but this is what I've also said to so very high flying food stylists and food photographers that have come to my workshops. I'm mm-hmm. like, no, you cannot come to my workshop. I will die. <laughs> what what could I possibly teach you? Yeah. Uh, I'll be a nervous wreck. But I just realised no, and they confirmed that for me. We are all learning. Our our Growth never ends. We're always developing. Uh, We always need professional development. And so as far as participating in the Eat, Capture, Share Challenge, well, a few years back, uh, yeah, quite a few years back when Instagram sort of first started up, 
I was participating in sort of styling challenges, nothing to do with food. Okay. But it's, it's actually how I, I guess, created a portfolio and created a brief for myself. Yeah. Yeah. So when I say, when I was saying practice, 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 well, I don't just mean go to your cupboard, get some food out and just shoot it. I would actually create briefs for myself Yeah. and say, oh, this is what I'm going to achieve today. I want it. to create a recipe around this. And so when I was participating in a challenge, it's like a mini brief, if mm-hmm. you like. Yeah. And so I would start to, um, you know, produce these images based on these mini briefs for these uh, challenges. And that's how I got my first work in uh, product styling. Uh, the product styling eventually morphed into food styling when I got a job for a coffee company and then it just snowballed from there. Yeah. So with the Eat, Capture, Share, I, well, I love producing imagery for myself. So on Instagram, I tend to share, it's not a rule as such, but around about 40% personal work, 40% client work, and 20% just life, yeah. lifestyle, inspiration, which is of my children or, or a mountain or something. Yes, yes. Um, and that's generally how I work. I love to produce imagery for myself for my own development, as well as having the opportunity to let my creativity unleash. Love it. So shooting something the way I want to. It's also like a practice brief, yeah. like what I did in the early days. I find it a really good opportunity to hone my skills. And I love the community. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just, I love it. I've made so many friends, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, New Zealand is such a little down-under country and I just feel like I've been exposed to a whole lot more. I, I, know, I know people everywhere now that, that love the same things that I love and we're like, we're like buddies. <laughs> Yeah, it's so. Yeah, thank you, you know, for that. Do you know it's so funny because when I started it, that never I never realized that that was going to happen, and and also I feel like even when the challenges end, the community goes on. People are yeah. so much. People yes. you to support each other. It's been really incredible. It's been really incredible. yeah, absolutely. Crystal, I love to end our conversation today with a question I always end with, which is what's your most favorite thing to eat? What's your most favorite thing to capture? And what's your most favorite thing to share? Okay. I love food. (laughs) I love to eat everything. (laughs) Except for rotten corn. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But if I could, top of my list would actually be seafood. My husband was brought up by the coast and he, him and his brothers go free diving and, and that. So that's, that's my top. And at the completely other end of the spectrum, also at the top, cherries. <laughs> I, love cherries. I love cherries. I love Anything cherry flavoured. Oh, my gosh. Anything cherry flavoured. <laughs> cherry gelato, cherry pie, cherry ice cream. When I went to Poland last year, I got addicted to cherry... Pierogi, I don't know how you say that. Yeah, um, yeah. dumplings. Nice. Oh, just yeah, cherries. And my friend owns a cherry orchard, so oh, so so nice. ideal. What's the next thing? Capture. Yeah. Well, food. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. Is everything going to be food? Every answer. 
trashy food. Um, yes. <laughs> All about the food. Um, but more so, more than food, I love to capture moments. So a moment around food, a moment in time, a moment that captures a memory, a food memory, a moment that will evoke an emotion, a moment that will trigger your taste buds. And as I mentioned before, I like to capture the modi or the life essence of that food or that um, that scene, sort of a deeper kind of storytelling, I think. Yes. Amazing. And then yeah. what's your most favorite thing to share? I like to share the real behind the scenes, the reality yeah. kind of thing. Um, mainly because that's what inspired me right from the start of this food photography journey. That's what got me going. That's what lit that fire and made me come in, in this direction. And I want to be able to inspire others to do that too. Amazing. Crystal, if people want to find you, find your work, where can they go? I have my website, which is crystallow.com. That has my portfolio, also information about my workshops, and it also has my blog, which is a little bit neglected, but there's some really great blog posts on there that uh, they've been on there for a few years now. But one is um, 12 things I wish someone had told me before I started a business. And the other thing, the other one is 20 lessons I've learned from 20 years as an entrepreneur. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll link to it. all of that. I'll also link to your Instagram. Oh, yes. I also have Instagram. Yes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'll link to your website, all of the things you mentioned and your workshops too. And thank you so much for your time, Crystal. Thank you. It was an absolute honor. How adorable is Crystal? If you would like to connect with her, tell her that you listened to this episode, then please head to the show notes where links to Crystal's Instagram, her blog, etc., as well as links to everything and anything we mentioned in this episode will be there at your fingertips for you to click and be connected to straight away. I would love for you to participate in the Instagram food photography challenge, just like Crystal did. I'd love to get to know you through your images. I know some of you listened to this podcast episode and will be like, oh, but Crystal's a professional photographer. How can I participate? I'm just starting out. I'm only using my iPhone. No excuses. Creativity knows no boundaries. Doesn't care if you use an iPhone. If you use your camera, it just wants to be unleashed links to pre-registering for the Instagram food photography challenge will be in the show notes as well. And if you're not sure, just hit me with a DM. I'm the little plantation on Instagram. I'm very, very happy to help and support you sign up. Also, if you want to take it a step further still, remember, it's now time to pre-register for my e-course. It starts in February. Dates are already on the website. I'll link to that as well in the show notes so you can check it out. There are four price packages available and there's bound to be one that's right for you. Next week, I'm back with the very last episode of season three. I can't wait. See you then. 
Before I leave you, I wanted to say thank you so, so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I also wanted to let you know that this podcast was brought to you by my free creative community, the Eat, Capture, Share creative community on Facebook, formerly known as the Food Photo Insta creative community, and I'd love for you to join. I will pop the details on how you can join my creative community in the show notes, so do go and check it out. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, it means so much if you can rate, review, and subscribe. All those things will help the podcast to grow and to reach the right audience. And yeah, you'd kind of make my day. All right, see you soon. Take care. Bye.